Um, and the question I asked her, I said, you know, just doing this, I have questions for myself. And one of the questions that I asked her was, what exactly would I tell a kid that has never even seen their father before? What would I tell them about honoring their father? Even though the Bible says honor your mother and your father so your days can be longer on this earth. What what would I tell that kid? Ladies and gents, hey, what's happening? Once again, welcome to the Let's Get It podcast, a podcast that is all about being open, being honest, being real, being relevant, and of course, seeking faith. Hey, listen again, my name is Jordan, and as always, I am glad to have you rocking with me on this journey. And in this episode, hey, I get a chance to have a conversation with the fam. I mean, like literally though, talking about my brother well i mean brother-in-law but you know we're not using titles i trust this isn't just a feature because he's family he's got a story to tell that a lot of folks need to hear a story about how something many see as a tragic disposition in today's culture actually inspired the creation of a movement to overcome that very thing hey his name is stephen den the movement is no father no excuse and i'm praying once you hear it you too might realize that the thing that seeks to do you in in your life may be the very thing that can fuel you into creating your god-given destiny listen i am excited for this one and once again you know as always uh thank you guys for rocking with us uh but you know i want to get right down to business so without further ado Ladies and gents, let's get it, man. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? Uh, let's get a podcast, people. What, are, what is good? Uh, this is Jordan once again. And today I have the honor and the privilege of rocking with uh, my little bro, like legitimately. He's, he's my brother-in-law now. And, uh, <laughs> by the only dude that I would allow to to marry my sister. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my word. Um, but yeah, man, I'm honored, man, to have Steve Dent on the podcast today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a few things and um, also about what's probably going to end up being a paradigm shift on this podcast. Uh, this is, uh, I thought it was going to be a series, but I feel like it's more of a thing uh, that actually defines what this is really supposed to be all about. Remember, we're inspired to inspire, and that's what the inspired one does. And uh, so, you know, this man's story right here, yeah, it, it's definitely one of those that is birthed in a whole lot of pain, but it turns into what right now is about to be a juggernaut, uh, not only for the kingdom of God, but ultimately uh, for communities where people think that 
certain things aren't supposed to happen. Um, you know, uh, block by block, a lot of people witness things uh, that, you know, just on a daily basis really shouldn't happen. And there are conspiracy theories out there about how, you know, single parent families are one of the main causes of, of why children act the way they act and they grow up to become the people that they become. Uh, but he is literally doing something about that. Hence the name of his uh, nonprofit organization, No Father, No Excuses. So uh, we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about a couple other things. But first and foremost, uh, I mean, we, you know, we having real deep conversations about preachers and sneakers right now. Uh, <laughs> but that. yeah, Dent, tell the people about yourself, man, who you are, where you came from, how'd you get here? Hey, so everybody, hello. It's an honor and a privilege to be on this podcast for sure. This is my second feature podcast, so it feels great. Uh, my name is Steve Dent. I'm from the great city of Suffolk, Virginia. Uh, shout out to Suffolk, everybody in downtown Suffolk. Um, graduated from Nash River High School, got my degree from the greatest university on earth, Norfolk State University. <laughs> but now, um, so as of right now, I am a youth pastor at Greater Grace Church out in uh, Portsmouth, Virginia. Uh, major shout out to my pastor, my bishop, Dr. James E. Jones Jr. I'm in the whole executive team, and also as Jordan has already mentioned. Uh, I am the CEO and founder of the nonprofit organization, No Father, No Excuse. And also, as he already mentioned, happily married to my beautiful wife, Shane Dent. Hey, babe. <laughs> like that last one better be in there. <laughs> don't have anybody like Ferg or Shaq to interrupt. Right. It's with a, me. It's, it's a, uh, yeah. And also, he's a, he's got a podcast as well. Talking about that. Oh, yes. Quick. Yes. Yes. So we I'm part of uh, four individuals. Shout out to Mike, Shaq and Darius. Uh, we have a podcast called the Locker Room Podcast. Um, it's, it is not about sports. I know it sounds like it's about sports. We do talk about sports every now and then, but it's not just about sports. We talk about whatever's impacting our community, all different types of topics. It's just simply a man cave conversation. And we invite women on as well if we need a women's perspective. So uh, we're on iTunes. We're on uh, SoundCloud, soon to be on Spotify, YouTube, Facebook Live, typically every Thursday. And we actually have a live event this Saturday. So, yeah. Say that I'm, I'm actually texting my amazing wife right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Dope, man. Dope. Definitely check us out. But yeah, please, yo, y'all go ahead and check them out for sure. Uh, and that's with two T's. Last T stands for testosterone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought about, uh, yeah, you, you did it anyway. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. So yeah, man. All right, let's just go ahead and break base. Let's let's get to the point. Um. Talk about the the foundation of no father, no excuse. What what birthed this whole process, man? Oh man. Um so um as far as how no father, no excuse came about, man, um, it was at a time in my life where I really I was one of those people that just didn't do church. Um I kinda got like Scar now I want to say scar, but like taken aback by church because of people, um, the way people acted. Um, and I just I just really wasn't feeling it. I was one of those kids where I was I wasn't in church three, four times a week, but I was in church enough that I felt like I needed a break once I got to college, man. And um around the time I was I wanna say like twenty six, man, I'm still 
you know, not really in church and stuff like that. And um, I got with um, my wife. Um, she was my girlfriend at the time. And um, she convinced me to come to this church called Grace Fellowship Worship Center at the time. Um, and at the time, I'm I'm trying to figure life out in regards to what I'm going to do. I always knew I had a passion for kids. Um, I always knew I had a passion to help. But I just wasn't sure what capacity or whatever it may be. Um, so I started going to this church and it was the first time that I was worshiping in a church where majority of the crowd was my age. Um, it was good to see, but it was the first time I also felt the spirit of God move in me and actually hear from God, um, hear his voice clearly, um, feel his spirit move within me. Um, it was something I had never felt before and it kind of spooked me, but I'm sitting in church one day. And um, I'm 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 the kind of guy that that women complain about all the time. Like, you know, I'm in church. I may not be clapping my hands. I may not be singing a song, but I'm the I'm the dude that got his hands folded with his head down praying, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Uh, so I'm praying and I see this and I see this vision clear as day from God. Um, and the vision is me being honored um, in front of a big time person for having a program for kids without fathers in their life. Um, and that's all it was. It was just that honoring and whatever it may be, that ceremony. Um, so I have a talk with Shane about it. I'm like, you know, um, I think God wants me to have an actual organization for kids without fathers in their life. Um, and the question I asked her, I said, you know, just doing this, I have questions for myself. And one of the questions that I asked her was, what exactly would I tell a kid that has never even seen their father before? Right. What would I tell them about honoring their father? Mm. Even though the Bible says honor your mother and your father so your days can be longer on this earth. What what would I tell that kid? And she didn't have the answer. So she texted my pastor. Um, and when she texted my pastor, it just so happened that they had a need. Apparently, there were there were plenty of women that were coming to him as single mothers, mm -hmm. saying, "Hey, I have these I have these boys. I don't know what to do. We need something." And he was trying to put together something, but he didn't have the right person to lead it. Um, so I didn't know this at the time. She just texted me back his answer, and his right. answer was that still that you still have to honor the position, not necessarily the man, but you honor the position okay. yeah. of him being the father or whatever. So, um, fast forward, uh, they used to do this service and we're going to bring it back, uh, for our youth, but we, they used to do this service called Saturday night live. And on the Saturday night live service, my wife just happened to be preaching at the time. Um, and right. at this time, <laughs> tearing the house down, she does. And, um, at this time, God had already told me that Grace was a church, but I was bouncing back and forth between Grace and Gethsemane, um, scared to commit. And um, she did the altar call, and I didn't move. And when my eyes closed, um, God was like, I'm not waiting for you anymore. Like, I'm telling you to move. Um, clear as day. And it's almost like when that parent gets real serious, like, you just move. Like, you don't think about it. And I did. I moved. I went up front. I rededicated my life to God. And um, in the car. See, I always tell people, like, the the walk 
in front of the church that's really just you giving that's you you pretty much come into the church right that's your church home the rededication is a conversation between god and yourself because you can make you can make the walk you can join the church you can sign up for a ministry or whatever it may be but that talk between you and god that's the rededication and i got in the car and i said god i tried it my way it just wasn't working I'm here and whatever you need me to do, I'm at your service. Um, and not even eight hours later, I go to the, yeah, you know, I'm not a morning person. I went to the 8 a.m. service. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm walking around, um, pastor calls me up. Now, mind you, I've only met him once at this time. Right. And he, I go to the altar and he whispers in my ear, hey, come to my office after service. Now, at this time, I've never been to a pastor's office before, so I feel like I'm getting called to see the principal. So going to the office, man, long story short, he was like, look, I told Shane not to say anything, but I literally been praying for a month on your decision. Um, you kind of been out there for like a month or some change now. And um, I was so excited to hear that you joined the church, and I've been waiting for someone to start this program um, so when she told me what you wanted to do, you was a perfect person for the job. And he was like, I'm going to give you the base. He said, you could take it and do whatever you want with it. If you eventually end up expanding, that's cool. Um, I just want to help these kids at the church. You can name it. You can do whatever you want. And that's how I came about, man. He gave me the foundation. He gave me the kids. Um, uh, we started off with 10. Um, we eventually ended up having 30 to 50 kids, man. Um, and right now we restarted. We at twenty. Got some more girls to sign up because we have a girl side and a boy side. And it's been one of those things, man, where I've been able to use something that was, like you said earlier, that was a pain and turned it into purpose. You know. So yeah. Oh, that's dope, man. And again, it's, uh, no father, no excuses. Um, and so since we're having that conversation, let's <laughs> get real. Hey, um, let's talk about your upbringing and and how that kind of up this whole thing but technically yeah uh, if you're looking at statistics right you, you should have gone a different route you know what i'm saying right i've been that that uh maybe that drug dealer i don't know or you know, i don't know what they're doing stuff with i mean i know y'all had marcus vick out there acting the same fool. yeah nah. um, you know brandishing weapons on people in right. McDonald's. McDonald's, right the funny you know thing about suffolk is suffolk like all the i mean you see the the crackheads and the fiends walking around during the day but all the drama really goes in the night Wow. So the rule amongst the parents in the neighborhoods was have your kid in before it gets dark. Yeah. So um, with with my pops, man, I I literally, we just spoke at uh, from one hand to another camp. Shout out to Pharrell. It's an amazing organization, nonprofit. Um, we just spoke there yesterday. And I was telling the kids that my very first memory, a lot of people, like, they had their very first memory around three or four, three, four years old. Uh, my very first memory is my mom, she had she used to have this water bed. And um she actually still has a water bed. That's a shame, but she still has it. But <laughs> so me and my brother would wake up and we would jump on the bed so the the bed would move up and down and wake my mom and my dad up. Um and I we run into the room and we do the same routine and my dad's not there. And I ask her, you know, where's my where's my dad? Um, and that's when she was like, Hey, he's, he's gone and he's not, he's not going to be living with us anymore. Um, so I have no memories of my dad being in the house whatsoever. Uh, my brother does, but I don't. 
so with my pops, like it started off with, you know, he was one of the best dads I could ever ask for. You know, he took me to see my first movie. He was to this day, I'm a huge teenage mutant, teenage mutant Ninja Turtles fan. Shout out to the best one, Michelangelo. Um, <laughs> Raph is my guy. Uh, Raph got an attitude problem, man. He always getting in trouble, point. man. <laughs> but nah, um, and he was always constantly around. And then um, he got remarried when I was eight years old. And I always preference this when I tell the story, like you know, I don't, I don't talk down about anybody. What I do is I present the facts. I mean, you interpret it how you want to interpret it. Um, but my stepmother, um, she didn't. She dropped out of school when she was in tenth grade, and she had four kids. Um, so my dad was not only the breadwinner; he was the only person in the house making money. So he had another family to take care of. Um, so it pretty much went from. You hear women say this all the time that it's tough being in a relationship when a guy in the beginning, they they give you everything. They constantly spoiling you, taking you out and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden they get complacent and then, you know, date nights have dwindled down and all this other stuff. And it's not the same as it once were. That's why you always hear people well, yeah. women in general say stay the same that you were in the beginning. Well, for a kid, that's 10 times worse. You used to seeing your dad every other weekend, and then it goes to every other month. Then it goes to every three months. Then it legit goes to three times a year. You you get to a point where I honestly can't remember the last time I got a call from my dad on my birthday. Um, so you don't get any birthday calls. You don't get any gifts. You know what I'm saying? As a, as a kid, you know what I'm saying? Certain stuff matters, and gifts as a kid, you know what I'm saying? It matters to us because we're kids. No gifts, anything like that whatsoever. Um, there would be times where, you know, I, where we stayed at, there was the railroad tracks right across from us. And um, I could see out my window if my dad was coming across the railroad tracks or not. And it would be times when me and my brother would be sitting there with our, with our suitcase ready to go and no call, no show, um, no explanation whatsoever. We wouldn't hear from him from another two months or whatever it may be. Um, and that became a consistent pattern. And when you're in elementary school, middle school, you have this thing um, that comes with love that keeps people going back and going back called hope. And, you know, hope is attached to that. So when you're in elementary school and middle school, you continue to hope. Um, but then once you get to high school, that hope kind of turns into, like, it kind of turns into discomfort, and it turns into pain, and it turns into bad memories. And that's what happened to me in high school. There would literally be times where I would have a test to prepare for, and that Monday comes and I go in and it's time to take that test. And I'm thinking about why my dad didn't show up that weekend, um, stuff like that. And it's and it's and for the sake of time, I only give a couple. But there's distinct memories that I have of my dad not showing up to stuff. Um, one was my high school graduation. Um, and I tell this story all the time, like when the kids now and I tell them they're fortunate because they get plenty of tickets. They either at the Ted Convocation Center or the uh, convention center our Virginia Beach or wherever it may be. Ours was in the high school gym. I'm pretty sure yours was too. Um, so I had four tickets. Football field. Oh, football field? Uh-oh, uh, that's dope. <laughs> so I had four tickets. I had one for my sister, my mom, my brother, and my dad. I didn't have any extra tickets, no way to get extra tickets. Um, so, you know, um, 
I got my cap and gown on, you walk into the arena and as a kid, when something good is going on, the first thing you do is you look into the rafters for your people. Well, I looked into the rafters, I saw my sister, I saw my mom, I saw my brother, didn't see my dad. And I whispered to my sister, like, hey, where's my dad? And she kind of just shrugged her shoulders. So after the graduation, I go to get my diploma, and then here comes my dad and my stepmom walking in. So, you know, I'm happy to see him, but at the same time, wondering back in my mind, like, where, why, why weren't you in there? Like, as a parent, you can come late or whatever, as long as you see that person walk across the stage. You know, that's the most important part. And he didn't come in because I didn't have a ticket for my stepmother, which was completely out of my control. You know what I'm saying? Completely out of my control. Um, the other one was the wedding. And you know all about this because um, you was in it. Because yeah. <laughs> you was in it. Uh, but for the people that weren't there, um, so um, for anybody that's had anybody suffer from cancer, um, my mother-in-law, my mother-in-love, as she used to always refer to, uh, yes, um, she had stage four, stage four pancreatic cancer. So the timetable for anybody that knows about that, the timetable to live is six months. Um, so what I decided to do was I decided to propose to my now wife at the time. So we went and had a conversation, um, planned the whole thing out. And she ended up living a year past what she was expected to um, just to see, you know, her daughter get married. So the day after I proposed, I don't think you know this story, but I'm at dinner with Uncle Butch. my mother in love and Shane um and I get a call and so one thing that used to happen all the time when I was a kid was if we had a consistent number for my dad the number would change um so we never had a consistent number but when I saw 252 I knew who it was and I saw 252 and I ran out of the restaurant and I was going for like 45 minutes and forgot to tell them where I was going and it was my dad we talked he assured me he was going to be at the wedding. Um, and then fast forward, when it came time to check to make sure he was there, like two, three weeks before the wedding, um, I got my cousin to holler at my dad because I didn't have a number for him again. The number that he had previously dialed on had changed again. So my cousin hollered at him, and he was like, tell Steve we can't make it because he's having car trouble. And I was like, okay. Once he, My cousin didn't even have the stomach to tell me until a week later. Once I found out, I was like, yo, have my dad call me. I'll take care of it. I'll come down and pick him up, get him a discount, a rental, pay for the hotel, whatever it may be. Just tell him to call me. We'll work it out. Dad never picked up the phone and called. So you have a woman. She died two weeks after the wedding, right? Literally, like, just like that. I remember that Monday after we got married, her and Auntie Jay was at the table having a conversation. They they looking at me because they know something's up with me. Um... And then literally four days after that, she couldn't talk no more. And then she, right. so then she dies, but she was at peace with it. And you're talking about something, that, somebody that literally extended their life to see this wedding. And my dad couldn't even pick up the phone. So from there, man, it was just, it was a grudge until um, literally Father's Day. Um, Father's Day, I was like, you know what? With my program, I've been able to do a lot of things for the kids. And the one thing I haven't been able to do is teach them how to heal because I haven't healed myself. Wow. So what I did Father's Day, I drove to Carolina uh, when my dad is in Raleigh, 
picked him up, took him out to get something to eat, and I asked him some tough questions, you know, um, some questions I needed to hear the answer to. And he was man enough to look me in my eyes and answer my questions. Um, and it brought – so I've been going for – since the time I was four years old and I'm now 33, I never knew what happened between my mom and my dad. So you're talking about a divorce, my first memory, and I have no clue what happened. All I know is that, you know what I'm saying, my dad wasn't showing up when he was supposed to uh, after he got married. And he answered those questions, and yes, it opened up the doors, but at the same time, now nah, I know, you know, so I can heal from that. Um, so, yeah, me and my dad are on good terms now as of, you know what I'm saying, Father's Day. We're on good terms and everything. So, yeah, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I just – just, Kind of speaking to that, just um, I don't know. Take a second and kind of walk me through how you were able to to use that. What now we see is like a misunderstanding, which is still beyond right. anything I can ever think of. But right. just, you know how you didn't take that and and let yourself be completely bitter. Um, or to be honest with you, I mean, you were talking about there was moments where you were extremely bitter, man. Like yeah. conversations we've had in the past. Talk about how you use that to fuel you instead to create. No father's no excuse because you know what I'm saying like I I don't know what I would have done if I was in that situation you know shout out to right. to, to Sonny uh, my pops um, Uncle Sonny what's up know, man he was, he was definitely there right for sure right uh, you know I I caught many a whooping had to run from him <laughs> many many times um but uh yeah man I mean I I just one of the reasons I really wanted to 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 put you on the show is because I feel like that was your seedbed for or like seedbed for being inspired to inspire man like yeah. You took something that should have shut you down. Right. Should have removed you from any type of situation like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. there, there shouldn't be no shame. You know what I'm saying? Like, you should be somebody's baby daddy somewhere. And, right. You, know, you knew it wasn't going to be her. Right. Uh, we, we can talk about that another time. But, um, <laughs> you know, but, yeah, I mean, you took a situation that really should have removed you from from the access that you got, the resources you got, you know, right. and, and the ability to steward all these young hearts and young minds. Right. You know what I'm saying? And instead, you channeled it into something that like you said grew to like you being able to impact 50 students at once you know yeah. what i'm saying maybe caught the shutdown for a second and now it's back on the come up right like you know what 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 possessed you almost really to to be able to to do that in spite of um so i bec- i came close when i graduated high school out of 2.2 and um I was actually, the day I got accepted to Norfolk State was the day I registered for TCC. <laughs> I came home and my right. mom had a package from Norfolk State, um, so I got my second chance. But literally, I from the time I was like 14, 15, I blamed my dad for everything, his his absence. So the reason why I wasn't as good in basketball, because I used to play basketball all the time, the reason why I wasn't as good was because my dad wasn't around to train me. The reason why I never realized that I should have been playing football until my senior year and then, like, literally um, my last game, the coach walks up to me and was like, yo, had you been playing all four or five years, you might have done something. I blame my dad for that. When I got older, literally, like, I got to a place in my life where I hated everything about my life. I hated my job. I hated working at Enterprise. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in a, I go to college for four years <clears throat> and then I come out and I work for Enterprise and I'm in a certain time washing cars, rain, snow, sleet, hell, whatever, um, hot, whatever, like I'm washing cars, renting cars or whatever. 
um, for low pay. Hated it, you know, um, hated the fact um, that I was living paycheck to paycheck. You know, um, my credit was jacked up because of a, um, a, a bad situation with my roommate. You know, um, it was my life was all over the place. I had no direction. Um, I had I had no angle. I literally would work, come home, and that's it. My life had no purpose or whatever. And literally, that's how I came up with the name No Father, No Excuse when it was time for me to brainstorm and come up with a name for the organization. It came because literally one day, um, I'm, I hop out the shower, I get dressed, and I it's one of those moments that you see in movies all the time where you just stare in the mirror, um, and you're trying to figure life out, man, trying to figure out how to start my day. And I literally told myself, like, enough is enough like i have to be my own man be responsible for my success regardless of if my dad's here or not um i have to go through life know my dad's not here to teach me how to be a man properly but life is your best teacher and i have to go through life and i have to make mistakes but i have to learn from them um, but most importantly i could turn this around and that's what fueled me to start no father no excuse that's I believe what the vision came from and that what fuels me to, to impact these kids every day is because not having something in your life and using this for an excuse is easy, but you have to change your mindset. Right. You know, no father, no excuse. Like we say we say all the time, it's not just a movement, it's a lifestyle. Right. Like it's literally a lifestyle change of a mindset. Like you literally have to change your mindset to be like, you know what? My dad's not in my life. Cool. I still have to do what I have to do. But on the flip side, it can't be with any grudges because what we do is a lot of times it becomes bitter and it becomes revengeful. Right. And like like Ray Lewis story, Ray Lewis had his story and his story, excuse me, was that, you know, he um, when he was in high school, there was a wall and his dad's name was on every record. And he was like, I'm going to break every record so I won't have to see his name. But what stuff like that does is it drains you until mm -hmm. you're empty. And once you're empty, you have nothing else to give. Wow. So it has to be with peace and love. Because if you do it with peace and love, like, look, I wish you was here, but you're not. I still have to be responsible for me. At the end of the day, when my time is up, I have to answer to God, right. not you. You know, when we know for these grades, you're not turning in my test. I have to turn in this test. You know what I mean? All it applies in all all situations, but it has to be with peace and love where you say, you know what? I don't have a grudge against you. I don't understand it, but it's cool. I still love you and I move forward. And that's that's what inspires me to kind of take away that excuse from the kids, because as you said earlier, the dropout rate for kids that don't have fathers in their life is significantly high. You know, um, the homeless rate, um, the amount of kids that have anger issues. Most of my kids have had anger issues. Um, depression, suicidal thoughts. Um, I had a kid yesterday who was just like, you know, I don't think my dad even cares about me, you know, and I had to coach him through that. Those type of situations in that mindset, if it's not handled right, can lead you down the wrong path right. and could possibly take you away from this earth earlier than you should be. Um, so that's what motivates me, man, to kind of like see these kids turn their life around, take away that excuse and make it regardless no matter no matter what you know so so um if you're willing to go there what's up do the forgiveness university spin what it do uh get an update on that situation you talked about your daddy right um, so 
realized that that wasn't quite what it was. Right. After he explained it. <laughs> right. I'm going to walk through that a little bit and how that almost feels like it changes things. But yeah. Really yeah. So um, pretty much with my with my pops, um, I've I had to start putting pieces together because when you're when you're trying to when you have a grudge against somebody or when you're not feeling somebody right, eventually it comes a time if you truly care about that person, if you have it in your heart to care for that person, you get to a point where you try to figure out what went wrong and you analyze that person. That's what people, that's my number one pet peeve. And people don't do this in the beginning. Like when you have an issue with somebody, they don't take that person's character into consideration. So like you can be mad at that person for doing something, but you know, their character doesn't line up with what they did. So it could easily be just be a mistake that you guys can just talk it out of. Mm-hmm. They could say, I'm sorry, and we move on. I know that's not in your character. That's not you. Um, and I did that with my dad. Like, the past couple of years, I've been trying to, like, put the pieces together because my dad was never vengeful. He was never an angry person. Most of the stuff I know about the word is from my dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's ironic because the amount of time we spent was so minimal. Uh, most of the wisdom I get is from my dad. Um, so I, I've been trying to figure out like what happened, you know, um, why did he stay away? And he told me, um, and that's why like right now I'm a big component of like people not cheating. That's why I'm behind the phrase black men don't cheat. It's not, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not about factual. It's about once again, a mindset, a changing of a mindset, man. And my life was completely altered because of cheating. You know what I'm saying? Um, and what I did with my dad, once he told me the story, man, of everything that happened, um, what I told him was, it's kind of like when you have a kid that's an A and B student, and all of a sudden they go through this traumatic experience and they bring it home D's and F's. Mm-hmm. No, it's not an excuse for you to bring home D's and F's. However, we know now we know what happened. Now we have the problem and we can get to the root of the problem and come up with a solution. And that's what I did with my dad. I told him, you know, still wasn't an excuse for you to miss all these events. It still wasn't an excuse for you to no call, no show. It still wasn't an excuse. But now I understand why you stayed away. Your heart got broken. And you, you, you know what I'm saying? You wanted to stay away from that situation. On top of that, you were married. So imagine you going into a marriage, you know what I'm saying, and as a as a as your your wife knows what your ex-wife did to you right right right. yeah one of the one of the one of the responsibilities of a wife is to guard their man's heart wow yeah so you know you have all she cares about is protection of her husband you know what i mean so regardless of the outcome that's what she's doing right or wrong so pretty much what i did with my dad man when we had that talk I laid it I laid it out for him that still was an excuse, but now we have something to work with. Now we have a building block. And that's the to me, when it comes to forgiveness, man, in order for you to take a step, it has to be a step up. Uh-huh. It can't be a step lateral, it can't be straight. It has to be a step up. You have to work your way up. Cause if you stay if you stay flat footed, you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, you to me, it's a building block. So we we have a building block where we could take a step up, yeah. and the step up is I, you know, this was in the past. This was over twenty plus years ago, right? 
you're not the same person. My mom's not that same person, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's no sense in me even holding a grudge against either one of you. So we cool. We square there, right? It didn't happen. I mean, it didn't happen the way it should have, but cool. We good. So now we have to work on this consistency thing because that's another piece that's missing. So now, like, let's work on consistently communicating with each other. You know, I shouldn't have to hear a month later that you was in the hospital having prostate surgery. I should hear that from you. Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? The situation with my elbow, you shouldn't have to hear that from my brother. You should hear that from me. Right? So let's work on this communication. So it literally was just to get to the, the root of it. It was me saying, hey, you know, I forgive you. Thank you for being honest with me. You answer all my questions. We have a building block to work with. Now let's continue to step up until we make this what we want it to be eventually. So that's that's pretty much what we are. I actually got to call my dad tomorrow. Um, ever since December, I've called my dad, and if he's if he didn't pick up, he always calls me back. My dad hasn't done that in 20 years. So, you know, um, the, the saying works, man. Prayer changes things and people. You know, it's 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 a hundred percent fat, man. So yeah, easy. Yeah, it's, it's it's a crazy, especially when you always hear about. And I don't, you the you're the first person that I've actually said this live to. And I don't, I don't really care. Like everybody always talks about the guy cheating. You know, what I'm saying this situation mm-hmm. it was the exact opposite. Yeah. You know what I mean? And most people will hold a grudge, but I I don't. My mother is not that same person. Right. My mother wasn't even saved at the time. So how can you how can you hold a grudge against somebody who wasn't even walking with God at the time they made the mistake yeah. and corrected the issue and started walking with God? So, you, you know, you got to have grace. man. Right. That's a, that's real. Man. I mean, wow. So we we embody this whole thing. You know, a huge misunderstanding off the jump. Right. Uh, become part of a process that it takes you literally your whole life to work through. Right. Um, and in the process of working through it, instead of being embittered, you become uh, emboldened to to pretty much lead a movement. Uh, then the movement gets topsy-turvy, and you finally have a process of reconciliation with the person yeah. who you thought caused the movement. You realize it was somebody else who caused the movement. And they're the yeah. two closest people to you in your life. That's, I don't, yeah, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, bro, you, you're a strong one. Um, <laughs> I ain't got I ain't got Somebody actually prophesied it over me a year ago yeah. um, that, they actually more than one person told me straight up that no father, no excuse is going to be bigger than you imagine. But the key to no father, no excuse is your healing process. And you have to heal in order for you to take it to the next level. Um, And, and it makes sense now because the whole time I've been doing no father, no excuse it's still been, I still tell the kids, I tell them kids not to hold grudges or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's been more of the Malcolm X approach by any means necessary. Like, it's been more of like brute force, you know, it's been more like strictness and stuff like that. Um, even though I love my kids, you know what I mean? Showing the love, but sometimes tough loving, et cetera. But now it's like, since I'm at peace with the situation, mm-hmm. I can coach peace. And I've uh, never been able to coach peace before. Yeah, okay, that's the one thing I can coach you on how to be better. I can ho- coach you on how to change your mindset. I haven't been able to coach peace. 
and now I can coach peace and being at peace with the situation. I had a kid, man, um, one of the most heartbreaking things ever. Um, his his dad, I went to school with him, and kid told me, he was like, hey, how can my dad doesn't pick up the phone, he doesn't respond to my texts or anything like that. How, what should I do? And I was able to coach him based on my situation. I said, hey, you know, express how you feel. I said, the number one mistake I made as a kid was every time I saw my dad, it was Christmas, and I never had a conversation about how I felt. I didn't have that conversation until Father's Day this year. So tell him how you feel. Be respectful, but tell him how you feel. And he did in a short text and asked his dad to call. His dad replied, I lied to you not, was stop texting me. That was his dad's reply. And, and he hasn't been able to shake that ever since. But once again, now that I'm at peace as his leader, I can coach peace. Hey, you know, I, I don't have to be like, hey, forget him, man. You know what I'm saying? He said it to you, forget him. It was cool. Yeah. Hey, look, this is what happened. You have your truth. Be at peace with it. Yeah. He's not your only father. You have a you have a father in heaven that will never leave you nor forsake you. You be at peace with it. You still have your life to live. And let's pray that one day he'll come back around. Instead of being that, oh, forget him, man. We're going to move on. We definitely believe him for that, for sure, bro. That's, uh, that's dope. I tell you what, man. Um, well, you done laid out some stuff, bro. I mean, I'm, I'm really praying this inspires somebody uh, who's been in this situation or something similar. Uh, but I'm going to wrap it up with uh, something supernaturally cool. What's up? It's cool that I was there. Uh, when you had that FaceTime call with your wife. Oh, tell yeah. The, uh, tell the Uber story real quick, <laughs> man. I mean, it's serious, oh, like, yeah. I want y'all to understand, like, how seriously amazing this organization already is and, and in this randomness, how God, I feel, is getting ready to bless it in some crazy ways. So, yeah, tell that Uber story. Baby. The Uber story is crazy. So, I was actually up the street from your house, um, and... I was hoping I wouldn't get an Uber call so I could stop by your house. I literally just dropped somebody off. And as soon as I pulled out the hotel, I got an Uber request. And I was like, I'm not going to turn on the money. So hit the, <laughs> hit, hit, hit the request. So I go pick this group of people up out Churchland and um, take them to Waterside. And so as I'm driving, my my car was in the backseat, my business car. Had no clue it was in the backseat. Last time I remember, my car was in the uh, back pocket of the seat. But what I forgot was early in that day I did Uber and one of the ladies asked me what the car was. I thought she took the car with her. Apparently she left it in the back seat on accident. So the woman picks up the car and was like, no father, no excuse. Steve Dent, like, what is this? Like, it's nothing else up here. <laughs> and it's at nighttime. Um, so she's like mentor because she's reading through the card or whatever. And I'm sitting, I'm driving the car, and I was just laughing, you know, in the inside. I'm not laughing hard, but on the inside, I'm yeah. weak. And so her friend finally, because it's two guys and two girls, her friend finally asked me, do you know who that is? Like, do you know what this is? And I was like, yeah, that's actually me. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I said it with a smile. It was cool, because I understand they, they had no clue. And um, they was like, really, what is it? And so I showed them the bands. Um, and I was like, hey, you know, it's a mental organization for kids who fathers are not actively in their lives. Um, and, you know, actively can mean dead, in jail, um, deported, um, deployed, 
whatever. I've even had fathers that just work entirely too much and like, hey, I need some help. Um, so and when I start telling them about it, they ask me some of the same questions that you've asked, like, how did it come about? When did we start? You know, what are you doing now? All this stuff. And I run down the whole thing just like I did today. Um, and I took them to Waterside because um, they wanted, of course, a beer. Who doesn't? So <laughs> so uh, by the time we got to Waterside, man, um, the lady was like, well, look, I've only known you for 10 minutes and I believe in your program and what you're doing. Um, so what I'm going to do is just like I'm on the board of directors here in the Hampton Roads area for Target. And she said, what I'm going to do is I can't make you any promises. But what I will do is I will because Target right now is looking for organizations to dump money into. And what I will do is I will pitch no father, no excuse heavily. And if something comes up, I'll definitely let you know. So for me, like it's not about sitting by the phone waiting for her to call me and be like, hey, we're going to give you this grant. It's just the the fact that she off of a 10 minute conversation, not knowing me from Adam, she believed in the program so much that she was willing to give it a try, you know, and the more times people try, the more we can get to a place where we can be staff, where we can take these kids on college trips. We can do more ACT prepping. We can do even more stuff, man, for the kids, man. So I, it, it was a blessing just to hear that. Sometimes it's not about the result. It's just about the thought. You know, so yeah, man, that was that was pretty, that was pretty cool. That was pretty awesome, man, for her to do that. Absolute, man. Well, brother, I mean, I think you done summed it all up. <laughs> pretty much says everything. Hey, thanks for coming out, man. Absolutely, you know man. You're my brother, man. Fam. You know, it's not like this was gonna be a thing in the first place, but it, it was definitely gonna be a thing for sure. Absolutely, uh, man. So, Anytime. Yeah, hey, for sure, man. And uh, I mean, look forward to possibly doing more collabs in the future. And um, absolutely, definitely looking forward to. Hey, it's for real, y'all. If y'all haven't had a chance, check out the Locker Room Podcast with two T's on the end. Yes, sir. Um, and it, for real, check out the walk. You know, I mean, for some of y'all, some of my people, they might be just a little too soft on some <laughs> of y'all's topics. Yeah. But uh, yeah, nah, uh, the walks, man. I think they're just they're amazing. They're incredible because I I love how honest y'all are about it. I love yeah. all the different perspectives. Um, and I just love seeing God move uh, in so many different arenas. And so, yeah, like, right. you know, just continue to keep me listening. But yeah. So I don't know about y'all, but I'm supremely challenged by the thought that someone could endure a situation like this for decades. And instead of turning them into a bitter, vengeful person or someone who does the exact same thing because it's, quote, all they know, unquote, it creates one of the most beautiful moments I've seen personally. And it's one that operates completely in humility and all wisdom. You can't tell me that teaching peace, like that teaching peace thing, you know, like tell me that didn't get you. There's no way you can't. Now, anyway, I'm, I'm not here to argue, uh, but I have a huge hope that this grants all of us perspective. You are not your circumstance. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Commit your thoughts to the Lord and they shall be established. I mean, like my mind is all over the place, but in a really good, good way. And my belief is that yours will be too. Hey, listen, thanks again for listening to the latest and greatest episode of what will now be called I Do I. Again, it's inspired to inspire. 
and I'll be giving all the details on that this coming week. Please don't forget to follow us on FB Inspired One Enterprises on Insta at the Inspired One, and the I in the middle is a number one. Just remember that, and of course, don't forget, please subscribe, leave those five stars, and a generous review because you love us and you want us to be great just like we want you to be great thank you once again for rocking with us and remember please be inspired to inspire because that's what the inspired one does one love keep rocking brown out If you ever heard of it, but um, yo, they're crazy, man. They're actually like a form. No, they're still a screamo band, a band called Emery from like way back in the day. But they interviewed the dude that made Preachers and Sneakers. Wow. And uh, yeah, they were just talking about it. And it's funny because the dude is catching all this backlash mm-hmm. and he ain't making no money off of it. Yeah. And like, you know what I'm saying? It's just like everything that he did, he just thought it was a cool idea. He thought it was interesting. Like he was intrigued by it. And right. so he put it up there. And most of the people that get it, uh-huh. He's had a conversation with a lot of the pastors that he puts up there. Yeah. And they have like this understanding. So they're kind of okay with it. There's only there's one or two that still wig out and they're like, yo, don't post me with my stuff. So mm. um and he didn't really name names. I mean, obviously one of them is like Chad Beach. Like he he hates the fact that he's on that joint, but yeah, he's he's still wearing what he wears. So that's <laughs> that's all on him. <laughs>